Hello and welcome to the Libre podcast, formerly Freedom of Technology. So let me explain the origins of this podcast for those of you that are wondering, oh my goodness, what is Freedom of Technology? Because not that many of you know about it, okay? I'm looking here at Sir Sudo's Odyssey channel, which he still has because you can't delete content from the blockchain. Uh, and he only has 1,100 followers. So that tells me that there's only 1,100 based chads out there that were at least aware of the Freedom of Technology podcast. But anyway... This was Sir Sudo's podcast. Uh, he was a friend of mine that used to do YouTube, but he decided to quit doing YouTube because he's got a real job and he wants to be able to spend more time with his family. You know, he doesn't want to spend his spare time just creating content on YouTube. So very, very based. But uh, his podcast, Freedom of Technology, which I think was some of the most based content that he was making, uh, that and the Home Lab videos, I was kind of thinking, you know, I was talking with him about doing the podcast with him. We were sort of thinking about ways that we could do it and try to make it more profitable. But like I said, he just decided he didn't want to do it anymore. But I was interested in doing a podcast. And I know many of you have been asking me to do a podcast as well. So that is what this is. The Libre Podcast, formerly Freedom of Technology. And much like the Freedom of Technology podcast, the Libre podcast is going to mostly be centered around tech news. There's going to be some other things that we're going to talk about. But all of those topics that you guys want me to cover that uh, really are not, there's not enough there to make a whole video about it, they're all going to be covered here. Also, another thing, another one of the reasons that I wanted to do a podcast was I've realized as a content creator, you know, you kind of study other channels, you study how other people make content. And my form of content creation, you know, making videos that are like, I guess, eight to 12 minutes long, maybe, is not really the optimal way to create content on YouTube or, or anywhere these days, because it seems like the content that most people are consuming is either shorts, of course, so you got to make stuff that's like, what is that? I think YouTube shorts are under a minute, if I'm not mistaken, or it's long form stuff. It's podcasts. Like these are the two types of content creation where uh, I guess it's mo more realistic to actually do it as a career and, and people are actually listening to this and consuming this kind of content because, well, I know when I was working in the office, I listened to a lot of podcasts when I was doing my job. So you're kind of in people's ears, right? And it makes sense. I mean, this is a kind of well-established business because if you think about it, it's basically a carry-on from radio shows, right? You think of things like Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony. That's obviously very, very profitable uh, type of content. So yeah, podcast makes sense, I guess. I'm just late to the game. Uh, so anyway, let's get into talking about things, which the first one is actually not tech news, but I wanted to set the basis for something, a conversation that I had with a friend of mine at the gym, uh, which is we might be living in the perfect dark timeline. Okay, so let me explain. 2023 is the year that the perfect dark game for Nintendo 64, and then I think they re-released it for Xbox 360, uh, but anyway, that's the year that that game is set in. Now, let me explain Perfect Dark Lore, because this is such an underrated game, such an underappreciated game. Um, it is literally better than GoldenEye, changed my mind. 
<laughs> anyway, it was a first-person shooter. Again, originally developed for the N64, which pretty much had the same game engine as GoldenEye, except there were some improvements. Like, I'm pretty sure that GoldenEye didn't have uh, blur, like you didn't, your, your vision didn't blur whenever somebody punched you, or uh, like in Perfect Dark, there's also tranquilizers and stuff. So things that, uh, you know, when someone hits you with it, it also would make your vision blur and obscure. Uh, so it had things like that, and it just had so many things that really pushed the N64 to its limits. Like, I'm sure some of you, those of you who had an N64 and played this game would know, if you tried to do multiplayer with, like, certainly three or four people, but even if it was just two people and you had, like, explosive weapons on, you know, things that would really uh, push your console to its limits, it was going to lag. You were going to get... Uh, you were going to be playing a first-person shooter slideshow. Oh, man, so many times we had that going on uh, when I was playing it with my brothers. And that was with the expansion pack. I mean, you pretty much needed an expansion pack to play anything uh, on Goldeneye, or not Goldeneye, on Perfect Dark. But anyway, let me get to the lore of this game, right? So the main character is a woman, Joanna Dark, you know, very, very progressive, even back in, I think, 2000 is when that game came out. Um, and she works for, she's like a special agent, you know, spy lady type thing that works for the Carrington Institute, right? So this is sort of the good organization. Now, the Carrington Institute, it's not just a spy organization. It's kind of like a technology and weapons development company. Um, you can sort of think of it like... Uh, uh, well, I guess maybe Boeing, because I think that they did develop some planes or like hover dropship type things, uh, or also like Lockheed Martin, you know, these these companies that develop essentially the war machine. So you had this company, which also happened to be in contact with aliens, uh, I think called the Mayans or the Mayans, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but basically they were like the uh, stereotypical classic little gray aliens, except instead of their skin being gray, their skin was I think like a light blue color and they had pink blood. Uh, and there was this alien named Elvis who I think, well, that was the name he chose, which I think the reason he chose that is like, I guess he picked up like some human signals, which like radio signals, which I guess would have been from a while back, right? Because it, it travels light years away. So maybe he's like 50 some odd light years away. Anyway, uh, he picked this stuff up and he's like, oh yeah, humans really like this Elvis guy. So I'm going to call myself Elvis when I uh, get to earth. But anyway, they were in contact with them. They got some alien technology and that helped them make better weapons. Like they had this one weapon called the laptop gun, which I think they used alien technology to make. It's basically a submachine gun that can also look like a laptop and function as a computer. I don't remember what the specifications of it were, uh, but anyway, it was a computer. And also it had a secondary function, which all of the guns in Perfect Dark had secondary functions. This was another reason why it was better than GoldenEye. But the secondary function of this uh, laptop gun was an automated turret. So you could throw it and then basically any bad guys or you know anyone who's not on your team, if you're playing like multiplayer or whatever, uh, it's gonna shoot them. Not super great, right? It's not like a, I would say the AI of the turret was probably, um, well, I can't really think of any AI worse than those turrets because they honestly weren't that good. But it wasn't it wasn't as good as say like the turrets in Rust, right? Those were were a better AI than the turrets in Perfect Dark. But anyway, um, that is an example of some of the alien technology. I'm pretty sure that's an example of it. So Carrington Institute, they're the good guys, and the bad guys are Datadyne, 
which is kind of obvious, right? Even the name of the company, it's like Datadyne. What is that? You're dining on our data. So uh, Datadyne was headed by, um, I forget what her name was, but again, it had it had a female CEO, right? Female president and CEO, very, very progressive. And um, she was also in contact with aliens, but she did not know that she was in contact with aliens. She was in contact with... Uh, or maybe she did. She definitely knew towards the end because, uh, well, spoiler, on a 23-year-old game, uh, she gets abducted onto the bad alien spaceship and sacrifices herself so that Joanna can get out and then kill the aliens and everyone lives happily ever after. <laughs> but she was getting tricked uh, at first by these aliens called the Skedar. And the Skedar were in their natural form, actually, I think in their natural form, they're technically snakes. They're like little, you know, snake-like slithery things. And then they get into these mech suits, which look like, uh, it's kind of hard to describe. It's like a lion almost. It's like, it's like a mutant green lion. Very cool. Go look up Perfect Dark and play the game. Um, but this is the Skedar, and this is how they look in their natural alien form. But they have cloaking technology, right? The Skedar, they, they actually had... Um, well, actually, I was going to say they had better alien technology than the, the Mayans, but that's not true because the Mayans had the Farsight, which is literally the best gun in the game. The Farsight is, so it's like a golden gun in the sense that it will, it's a one hit kill on, I'm pretty sure anything, like it kills Skedar in one hit, it kills humans in one hit, no matter where you hit them. So it's a one hit kill gun. And the bullets shoot through walls. They shoot through. They shoot through everything. Um, you know, infinite, uh, like no clip or whatever. And the scope is an X-ray scope. And the secondary function of this gun is an auto-locking X-ray scope feature. So it's one of those guns where like you can't even have it in multiplayer. Okay, it's not fair. It's it's the most broken, ridiculous, overpowered gun. If you're the kind of person that plays on a, I can't remember what map it is, but if you play on any map that has like air ducts and you can get into a corner where no one can find you and you just snipe people with the far sight, you are a sociopath. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back onto the perfect dark lore. I forgot where I was, but that's how this, uh, you know, one person podcasting stuff works. Oh yeah, the Skedar. I was talking about the Skedar. So the Skedar have cloaking technology, and they like to cloak themselves as, I think they're called the Tall Whites, another um, like IRL or you know alien lore thing. So the Tall Whites are these people that are like, I guess Scandinavian, they're like these really tall, blonde, uh, you know, Viking looking people. The Hyperboreans, right? We was Hyperboreans and shit. <laughs> So anyway, that's that's what they cloak themselves as. And um, I think the guy's name too, like the the Skedar that was like, I guess a Skedar diplomat or something that was uh, directly working with Datadyne that was, you know, cloaked as looking like a human. His name was Mr. Blonde. So it's, it's very weird. It's like who, what kind of dude is going to be a tall, you know, Hyperborean or whatever, you know, they're called those like Scandinavian alien people. Who, whose name is going to look like that? Your name is Mr. Blonde. That's too obvious. It, it just doesn't work. It's like, it's like uh, what was his name? Sam Bankman Freed, right? It's like this dude is running a crypto exchange. His last name is Bankman. It's like, really? How many clues do you need? But anyway, back to uh, Skedar lore. So this guy, Mr. Blonde, 
uh, was working with Datadyne. And the whole reason that he was working with Datadyne is because he wanted to get access to one of their submarines. I think that they had, you know, their, their weapons company. So, of course, they developed submarines. But they had the best submarines in the world that could go deeper than any other submarine. And they wanted to get to this alien spaceship that crashed into the Pacific Ocean like 300 million years ago, something like that, which was another alien race called the Cetans, if I remember correctly. And they had a mega weapon aboard the ship, which um, basically uh, deteriorated the, uh, I guess, weak or strong nuclear forces, whichever one is the one that like holds protons and neutrons together. It, basically, you shoot that at something and it completely deteriorates. And the Skedar wanted this because uh, they are an alien race who's like their religion is literally built around war. They actually that's that's part of the lore of Perfect Dark. They're they're you know they live to fight. They're like Spartans or some shit like that. So they wanted this super weapon so that they could then go ahead and conquer the galaxy. And that's what uh, Mr. Blonde was tricking them. They also kidnapped the president and stuff like that. It's a really really good game. You should uh, you should definitely play it. But anyway it was interesting to me how we're living in this world where, uh, you know, big tech is sort of taking over everything. And there was pretty much a game that was developed that's uh, getting a lot of things right. I mean, just minus the alien intervention part, because I don't, you know, as far as I can tell, there aren't any aliens showing up, except for the little like weird, uh, what is it, the little pillbox thing that uh, does some maneuvers. I don't know what that's about. I kind of think it's a drone. Because to be honest with you, here's here's my thoughts about aliens, right? Let's get into aliens. Awesome podcast subject. So if uh, if there ever was any aliens that came here, there'd probably be drones, right? There'd probably be drones or some kind of probe. Because you think about what human beings send out into space. We've only sent a human as far as the moon. Everything that's really gone out there, like all of the stuff that's gone beyond our solar system, all the stuff that's gone to other planets is probes. So if there's like some weird fish that's swimming around on like a moon of Saturn uh, and it's looking up and it's like, dude, aliens, like let's say it's a smart fish, right? Let's say it's a it's a super smart dolphin race that's living under one of those moons of Saturn and it, it sees our UFO, right? Our probe flying by it, but there's no, there's nothing on it. There's no life on there. It's just, uh, or maybe not necessarily an AI, but it's programmed, right? So if there is uh, any kind of aliens or like if the pillbox is aliens, it's probably a probe. It's just observing us. It's like, who, who are these silly monkey people? <laughs> and uh, they're AI waifus. Okay, so now let's get into lay technology news. So the OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, who learned to code at age eight, is also a doomsday prepper who has a stash of guns, gold, and gas masks. Uh, that's just a headline because, of course, they're not going to dig into how people who have some money are prepping and maybe give you guys some hints on how you could do it yourself. But this is goofy, right? This headline to me is just a little bit goofy. and. This is more like just talking about preppers and, and prepping in general, because it's a subject that I'm a little bit interested in. You know, I do, I guess, a little bit of it as much as I can in the city. But you really got to move out to the country to be a true prepper, because having a stash of guns and, and gold and gas masks, I mean, that's really only going to do you good if you're going to be a raider, right? So 
is the OpenAI CEO Sam Altman going to get his food and water by raiding people or being a mercenary who I guess gets hired to do jobs and then gets paid in food and water? Because look, man, you need food and water. All right. You need that to survive. You can only survive, what is it, three days without water? So yeah, you really should be hoarding water and food, you know, freeze-dried food, or better yet, better than hoarding this stuff, create a system where you're able to produce it for yourself, you know, permaculture. But like I said, you, you kind of have to get a little bit of land and, and you know, at least an acre. I, I think I've seen people do it on like one acre or two acres. Um, I can't remember which YouTube channels it is. You can look it up, but you need a little bit of land to do this. And gold, gold is an interesting thing, right? Because gold is uh, what people buy, just metals in general, right? Gold and silver. People buy this stuff as, uh, I guess, in, in, as an investment, right? You buy it and then you sell it at a later time. But the people who buy it for the shit hits the fan scenario, right? As a, as a prepping scenario, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense, okay? Just just hear me out here. I get that gold was used for thousands of years, okay? I get that it's, you know, survived the fall of the Roman Empire and every other empire, but here's the thing. Let's say you've got something you want to buy that cost $323 and you've got a $1,000 gold bar. How do we sort that out? It's not easy to divide gold. And as far as I understand, every method of dividing gold, whether you cut it, whether you melt it, anything like that, is going to result in you losing some of your gold. Maybe you know a few grams, milligrams, depending on how you're cutting it. I'm sure that there's different methods that are more efficient than others. But it really doesn't seem like it's an efficient thing to buy uh, just about anything with unless... <laughs> You have a government that is producing gold coins or something like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I think gold could be great or gold-backed currency at the very least uh, could be great if governments actually did that, if they were actually producing uh, gold-backed currencies. I definitely think it's a lot better than fiat. But carrying around, like, gold bars or, like, gold dust, I mean, what happens if the wind blows? <laughs> if you're handing someone... A pocket full of gold dust, which I don't know how much that's worth. Let's say it's a hundred bucks. Pocket full of gold dust. You're buying a week's worth of groceries with that, and whew, the wind blows. Okay, whose fault is that? Because if I've got, if if I'm the one who's selling chicken and vegetables and potatoes and stuff, and your gold dust blows in the wind, that's not my loss. Not if you didn't put it in my hand yet. So. Yeah, it seems a little weird. And here's the other thing, too. How do you even know you have gold? Because, again, as far as I understand, and I'm no expert on gold by any means, but my understanding is the only way to really know if you have real gold is an acid test, right? So if you have a gold coin or, like, you know, some pieces of gold, some flakes of gold, you have to, you know, put a little bit of acid on it and... and I guess, wait for a reaction or maybe a lack of a reaction because I don't think gold really reacts with stuff. I know it doesn't rust. That's, you know, one of the great qualities of it uh, and, you know, reason why it's used in electronics. And it does have uses, right? Like it does have engineering uses. But again, how much of that stuff are we going to be doing in the, you know, couple of years after the nukes go off or shit hits the fan or, or whatever scenario you're prepping for, uh, it just seems really, really goofy. So what would you use instead as a currency when shit hits the fan? Well, 
I got a feeling. I've got a, uh, not a theory, but I've got a hypothesis because that's, that's really what theories are when people say theory. I've got a hypothesis that liquor <laughs> would be a pretty good currency. Because think about it, you could divide liquor easily, okay? You just pour a little bit of it out. And when I say liquor, I'm, I mean moonshine more specifically, like some, some, some good stuff, because uh, people are gonna wanna get messed up when shit hits the fan. But not just getting messed up, you might wanna power your tractor. You might wanna power uh, your car, depending on what kind of car you have, and you may very well be able to put liquor in it and run it. I mean, you can, at the very least, create gasohol. So with pretty much any car, as far as I know, I believe it works better with diesel. Don't take my advice for this because I'm, I'm not a, a mechanic or engine expert either, but you can basically cut uh, gasoline and stuff like that with um, liquor, with ethanol, and it'll it'll still run. Now it can't be rum or some fucking goofy shit like that. Like it's got to be moonshine. It's got to be uh, you know straight you know really strong stuff. But you can use this to fuel your car. You can use it to of course drink and and you know do that, uh, which is something that human beings have been doing for thousands of years. Okay, so it's not going away. It, people are not going to stop drinking anytime soon. Uh, you can also use it for medicine. And, well, it's flammable. It's a fuel, so you can use it to start fires. It has a whole lot of uses the day after the nukes drop and, and the weeks after the nukes drop. Because, like I said, gold has uses, but it seems like you got to start getting a bit of a civilization before it has any uses beyond just shiny rock. But that's just my two cents on... I guess, economics in a shit-hits-the-fan scenario. Uh, you don't want guns and, and gas masks and gold unless you're going to be a raider. You want uh, a farm. That's really what you want. Next, Netflix has made a short anime using AI due to a labor shortage. Okay, let me get this right. Labor shortage. Didn't Netflix fire a bunch of people? Like, didn't all of big tech basically just fire and lay off a bunch of people. I know Google fired and laid off a bunch of people, so uh, it doesn't really seem like a labor shortage. It seems like you selected too many people <laughs> in that Excel column when, when you uh, were selecting the rows of employees to fire and then you click the fire button. Seems like you got a little bit carried away. But anyway, they're using AI to create an anime and the fans are pissed. So this anime is called the dog and the boy. How sweet is that? And I actually watched this, or at least I watched this three and a half minute video that was on Twitter that was tweeted out by Netflix Japan because they announced that they you know, created this anime um, and that it was AI generated. I don't think they were trying to hide it in any way. Um, now, I don't know if this is the whole anime or not, but I saw it and, you know, it's it's kind of just the stereotypical B-roll of a kid with his dog. Uh, by the way, it's a robot dog, so I guess that's the twist on it. And, eh, you know, I guess it's a good theme since it's AI generated. Um, but anyway, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing for people. Go ahead and watch it. Um, you know, it did make me have a little bit of feels, but then again, I am emotionally compromised since my buddy just died. Uh, but the AI in this case, was used to draw the backgrounds. It was used to draw the scenery and all of the different scenes. And the way that this anime was made, it actually is mostly scenery. So the headlines aren't really clickbait because for any given frame in this anime, the, an the AI probably drew about 75% of whatever you're looking at. Uh, but 
there are enough things that are off in the scenery that you could tell if it's AI, especially if you're used to looking at AI drawings and uh, also, I guess, if you watch anime and you have that as a reference of what actual human created anime looks like. Uh, but there's some weird stuff, like there's battleships that were in a regular harbor, which seemed a little bit strange. Um, although I guess there was a little bit of a war theme going on, so maybe it's not that weird. These are just some things I wrote down that uh, stood out to me. The foliage doesn't look right, okay? That's, that's straight up anime, right? Be, or, or not anime. That's straight up AI because AI does not touch grass. So AI cannot draw grass. It can't draw trees. That's something I've really noticed. Uh, I have yet to see uh, really well created or I guess really like photorealistic looking. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just when I see AI generated foliage, I can tell it's AI generated foliage. And there are also some signs with text on them that looked weird. Like they actually looked, the signs actually looked more like poorly drawn English and like kind of like faded out English than Japanese, which was very strange because, well, it's an anime. Uh, but yeah, you would probably be able to tell that this whole thing, or not the whole thing, but the scenery is AI generated if, again, you look at a lot of AI landscapes and you also have real anime landscapes to compare it to. But I don't know if such a large percentage of people would have really caught on and certainly would have caught on enough to be pissed off if Netflix Japan didn't just come right out and say that it's an AI on Twitter. I mean, I watched it. It, you know, I don't know if it was good. It gave me some feels. It made me a little bit sad. Like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit compromised, so not the uh, best person to really rely on. Maybe I'll have to watch it in a few more months when I'm done grieving for my friend. Uh, but... This, this is not the only example of AI content creation that we've got, and it's not even the best one, okay? This, this is peak content, my friends. So there is an AI that is generating an endless Seinfeld episode on Twitch. Oh, I'm sorry, it's not Seinfeld. It's, it's called um, Nothing Forever, and, and the channel is called Watch Me Forever. So yeah, it's, it's a show about nothing that goes on forever. And there's also some weird uh, interchange stuff they have. Like right now I'm looking at it and um, it's it's basically uh, like someone who's trying to switch the channel because I don't think it's just trained on Seinfeld because when you think about it, there's a few other shows that were created that are kind of shows about nothing. Like Two and a Half Men is sort of a show about nothing. Or I mean, if there is any general theme there, it's it's Charlie Sheen drinks and and, and humps different women. So I guess not much different than his real life. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> there's this AI that's creating this. And even though it's just scrolling through like the TV channels and okay, it just switched back to the regular thing where it's like outside of the... Um, Apartments. Uh, I might include some of this in the video. I have to leave a note for that for the editor. But anyway, it's it's low resolution. There's like you know you could probably count the number of pixels in here on your fingers and toes, and it's got a robot voice and everything like that. But man, oh man, it has fifteen thousand three hundred and eighty-one live viewers on Twitch right now as I'm looking at it and the chat is moving fast. They are going crazy. People are eating up this AI generated Seinfeld and there are ads that are being run on this video. So I suppose 
that it is monetized in the sense that the owner of the channel is making money for it. I'm not really sure how that works. Maybe just Twitch runs ads like YouTube does and, and you know takes their own money from stuff. Uh, but anyway, let's assume that this is profitable, that the person behind this AI is actually making some money off of it. Like they're actually making a profit compared to how much you know money it costs as far as like hardware and electricity to make the AI. If these things are true, then that means that the AI contents uh, AI content creation singularity has been achieved. So in case you didn't know how AI like this works, the power of it, the power of these AI is essentially determined by the amount of content that you can train it on. Same thing for stable diffusion and the painting AIs, you know, how many different works of art you can train it on. In this case, I guess it's trained on all Seinfeld episodes and maybe fan spinoffs because I think there's a bunch of those too. And like I said, maybe it's based off of all these other sitcoms that are uh, kind of ripoffs of Seinfeld. But the more content that you have to train it on is going to make it better. But also the speed at which the AI can be trained and the amount of detail, like how good the AI is, you know, voice inflections, uh, how many pixels are going to show up in the screen because this is being created on the fly. Obviously, you're not going to be able to do it real time unless you have really good hardware. So that's determined by how much hardware you can throw on it, specifically high-end GPUs with lots and lots of VRAM and lots of uh, either CUDA cores or AI cores, processing cores, things like that. And, you know, speaking of high-end GPUs with lots of VRAM, the VRAM is only increasing. There was this NVIDIA engineering sample a really, really thick boy, a four-slot NVIDIA GPU that had pictures of it leak online. And I believe it's the upcoming RTX Titan ADA. This is what I'm reading from techpowerup.com. So basically, this graphics card that leaked recently, this really thick boy, is this generation's Titan. And I didn't even know NVIDIA still made Titans. I was surprised. But anyway, the specs of this ADA Titan are insane. 18,432 CUDA cores, 576 tensor cores. So, eh, you know, a little bit more than a 4090, but a whopping 48 gigabytes of GDDR6X memory. That's your VRAM. And of course, this card also has a whopping 800 watt TDP. And I think like the minimal uh, power supply, like, um, you know, wattage that they're recommended or yeah, suggested PSU is 1200 watts. So if you're if you're sub one, if you have a sub 1000 watt GPU, you need to get the hell out of here, man. That thing is ancient. OK, the desktop computer is now a major appliance. <laughs> in terms of the amount of power that it's going to be pulling out of your wall. Now, this is obviously insane specifications. I mean, it is literally a four slot card, but the thing is, this is still technically a consumer card. And, you know, sure, it's four slot, you can't put anything else in there, but what the heck else do you need? You don't need anything else in terms of, uh, you know, graphics cards go, um, you just don't, so. 
this is this is crazy insane. I mean, of course, I wish uh, AMD makes something like this so that you can get open source drivers, but I don't think the people that are making these AIs are really caring so much about open source drivers. Um, so yeah, this is technically a consumer card. The Titan is basically the highest end of the consumer grade, and then beyond that, you're starting to get into professional stuff like A100s um, or those other really expensive NVIDIA cards. And also, like, uh, the A100s and the, the Quadros and things like that, they're really just dedicated cards. Like, Quadros, I think, are more for video editing, and the A100s, like the Tesla cards, they're obviously more suited for machine learning. But if you try to game on those cards, or if you try to edit video on the A100, you're not going to have a good time. So if you're a gamer who dabbles in AI and has, I don't know, $3,000 to spend because I think that's what this card is going to retail for. Like I looked up the, um, uh, what was it? Like RTX Turing Titan. I think that was the last uh, one that NVIDIA made and that one sold for 2400 So that's why I'm thinking maybe 3000 for this is going to be retail price. And of course, if there's low availability, then the secondhand price might be something like four grand. But that's still less than half of a Tesla A100, which also only has 40 gigabytes of VRAM. So this RTX Titan Ada, it's literally gonna have more VRAM than a Tesla A100 uh, and be cheaper and you know be able to game so consumers will actually realistically buy it. That's insane. And now going back to this AI-generated Seinfeld show, if this thing ends up being not even a huge Twitch content creator, but I mean, I'm looking at it over here on the side now, and um, let's see, I, I don't really know any of these people, but like number one is Kai Sinat with 100K live viewers. It looks like XQC has 51.5K live viewers. I think I've heard of him before. Watch Me Forever has 14.7K. Uh, Hassan, isn't that like the communist, like Turkish dude? He's got like 32,000. Um, who are these? I don't really know any of these people, but that seems like a lot. I mean, I vaguely know of Hassan and I vaguely know of XQC and, uh, the AI at least has half as much as Hassan, which if he, if he is the, the communist Turkish guy, that's hilarious. <laughs> that a literal AI is getting half as many views as him. But, uh, you know, let, let's say, okay, so let's say that this AI is capable of being a legit Twitch content creator. Like it's not gonna be a huge one, it's not gonna be number one, but it's able to compete with the likes of some of those people that I said. Um, maybe it's comparable to like a 1 million subscriber YouTube channel, I have no idea what Twitch revenue looks like, but um, oh yeah, actually it did leak. So yeah, doesn't the top guy make like $10 million a year or something like that? I don't know, because because it's different. But anyway, let's let's say hypothetically that this uh, Watch Me Forever, you know, the Seinfeld AI. Let's say that it's able to make seven figures. That's probably a very conservative estimate because you also got to keep in mind that it can literally create content twenty four seven. But let's say it just makes a million dollars a year, and all of that money goes into GPUs. CPUs and you know whenever Nvidia or AMD makes a new one they just go ahead and get two or three or four or five or six of the new card 
Uh, it goes into electricity, but also at that point, I mean, you would probably start investing in solar panels. I mean, heck, you're making a million dollars a year. You might as well reduce the cost of your electricity. Uh, and maybe you got to pay the salaries of the team that program this thing. But how many people are even working on something like this? Like, I can't imagine this is more than like four dudes that it took to throw together Watch Me Forever. So, yeah. I guess each of you pay yourselves 200 grand a year and then you keep the other 200 grand for the AI <laughs> and you buy it, you know, you pay for its electricity and you buy it new, uh, new uh, cards and stuff. And like I said, those cards, those uh, graphics cards, those AI processing cards, they are what ultimately make this AI powerful. That's what ultimately gives it uh, more detail, more pixels, everything like that. So this system like this, it's just going to keep making the AI more and more sophisticated, possibly exponentially. It might get to the point where it's actually as good as Seinfeld. You know, it's funny. And wasn't Seinfeld the most popular show ever? I mean, that's crazy. Imagine an AI-generated Seinfeld that's more popular than actual Seinfeld. Like, it's so funny how AI is dominating in the arts, entertainment, essay writing, all of these creative works that we thought human beings that we would just be doing full-time because, oh, the labor-intensive stuff, that's all going to be automated. There's not going to be plumbers. There's not going to be truckers. There's not going to be forklift operators. That's all going to be done by robots, and we can just spend all of our days, you know, finger-painting with our nutsacks and getting UBI. No. No, you get the opposite because because here's the thing. If you do want to be an artist, if you do want to be a content creator or something like that, not only do you have to compete with all of the other humans that want to be artists or rock stars or whatever, you also have to compete with AI. You've got to compete with Watch Me Forever and it doesn't get tired. It's just churning out. <laughs> shows after shows about nothing all day long. And hey, I'm saying this as someone who is basically doing entertainment and education for a living. It's only a matter of time until there's a mental outlaw AI that's going to be doing this podcast. So I guess I better get started on becoming a farmer or something like that. Or hell, maybe I'll start hand carving tobacco pipes. I've actually been looking at these online because my buddy that just died, he left me half a pound of really good pipe tobacco. And you know, I'm not gonna let it go to waste. Uh, and of course, I'm not gonna buy a tobacco pipe off of Amazon because, well, for one, I would like to avoid giving any money to Amazon because then you're literally feeding big tech. Uh, but also the pipes on Amazon are bullshit, man. They're like, I don't know, they're like coated in like some weird shit. I mean, at least that's what I was reading from the reviews, the one-star reviews, which are important to read on Amazon because they have bots that leave five-star reviews. Uh, so yeah, man, don't, don't, buy yourself a pipe off of Amazon or don't buy Papa a pipe off of Amazon. But anyway, these uh, legit pipes, or at least these pipes that look legit from the bit of research I've been doing, they're pretty expensive, man. I mean, I, I saw this one, this U.S. Uh, Coast Guard hand-carved pipe that looked good to me, and it cost $275. Now, I'm no expert on pipe craft or hand-carving wooden things in general, but if I had to guess... This looks like something that would take a skilled craftsman, craftsman, I don't know, maybe a few hours to make. What do you guys think? Assuming I remember to show you this part of the video. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, you, if it takes you a few hours to make something that you could realistically sell for $275, I mean, that's really good. Or hell, even if it just takes you a few days, that's still making enough money for you to eat. 
And this is actually a pretty cheap pipe. Like there's some on here that cost over $600. Obviously this looks like it would be much, much more difficult to make. Uh, you know, it's a lot more intricate, a really beautiful looking uh, tobacco pipe. But $600, I mean, heck, if you can make one of these every week, then you're gonna be doing all right. Uh, so I think there is gonna be room for humans in the arts, right? Definitely hand carved things, you know, handmade things, human made things, right? Human made, it's it's gonna be so hilarious. You're gonna see things. It's, it's just like when they say non-GMO and gluten-free and stuff like that. Human made, non-AI made artwork. Uh, I guess it's gonna be considered more precious, just like how people prefer diamonds that are mined out of the earth by baby African children instead of ones that are made artificially. But labor jobs, they're, they're starting to look like the safer bet. You know, hell, even driving still looks like it's going to be good for a while. And speaking about driving, we gotta talk about some cars, kid. Let's talk about the fucking cars. These fucking Teslas are wicked queer, kid. I saw one, I was sitting on my ma's porch. I was all fucked up on Percocets and drinking a Sam Adams I bought at the Pocky. And all of a sudden, a fucking Tesla Model Y drives through my ma's house and it parks right in the living room during the Sox game. <laughs> all right, only Boston people are gonna get that horrible accent. But for the rest of you, the story here is about this guy who bought a Tesla Model Y. He um, got it delivered on January the 24th and the steering wheel came off while he was driving on the highway. Damn Elon, nice car. <laughs> and apparently there's been all kinds of quality control issues and errors with Teslas that I was starting to read about after you know looking into this thing. And the quality control issues I'm talking about are not even related to the self-driving features. I'm talking about like really just stupid, like lazy stuff, like patches in the paint, gaps in the panel and so on. But I've made tons of videos about the issues with the self-driving tech already. You guys probably get that by now. So I guess when it comes to Tesla, when it comes to these fancy American cars, there's quality control issues up and down with them. Look, I love my country. I love America, but the Germans and the Japanese, they make better cars. And so it's no surprise that a fancy German car made by Mercedes-Benz would be the one to achieve level three automation, which is a level above Tesla and a lot of other manufacturers who are claiming that they have self-driving. Isn't that great? Hans can drive on the Autobahn and he can drink the Jägermeister and he can fuck the Fräuleins all at the same time. And it'll be very safe, okay? I mean, look, if it's safe, then that's cool. If, if you've got the superior German AI and it keeps you from crashing into people, you know, if it works, it works. Go ahead and have some fun. I hope we're not going to have stories about fancy German cars hitting people on the Autobahn. Now, here's some more AI news. And of course, look, all tech news is AI news because the cat is out of the bag. Even consumer GPUs, are at the point where these models, these AI models can be built and trained locally. And that will become even more true as graphics cards get more badass. Like I said earlier, the RTX Titan Ada is supposed to have twice as much VRAM as the 4090, which is probably a response to AMD making the 7900 XTX because AMD finally caught up to Nvidia with VRAM. Well, 
technically Nvidia's VRAM is actually faster and, and better. Well, not technically, I mean, it literally is, but um, you know what I mean, the, the amount of uh, the gigabytes of VRAM, 7900 XTX and, and 4090 were on par. So Nvidia is like, eh, we're gonna, we're gonna increase it to ridiculousness. We're gonna go up to 48, which is crazy because it seems like that's them stepping on their own toes with their A100 line. I honestly didn't think they would do something like that. I thought that they would just push it up incrementally to like, you know, 26, 28 gigabytes, but no, I mean, they're going full bore with 48. So hey, let's just keep our fingers crossed and make sure it's real, right? Hopefully Nvidia doesn't trick us and actually end up releasing something that's only 26 or 28. And my understanding is when you get to around 32 gigabytes of VRAM, or, or yeah, VRAM, not RAM, it's when you start having, that's when you start having enough to do really interesting things, like to be able to train sophisticated language models like GPT-3, which, is actually the underlying technology that's used to make the forever show about nothing. Uh, but anyway, onto the scary AI news. So there's an AI powered gene editing tool. I think they're calling this thing Zinc Fingers, kind of weird, uh, but it's supposed to be even better than CRISPR, which you guys might remember has already been used on human embryos by a Chinese scientist back in 2018. So now, <laughs> The heckin' AI is making a tool that's supposed to be better for editing humans, creating new humans. I mean, now we're getting into like the matrix dystopia, right? I don't know about this, man. Gene manipulation, it gives me some serious like cyberpunk dystopia, you know, matrix vibes. It seems like humans should not be fucking with something like this, right? It seems like we're still too close to being monkey people to start trying to edit our own genes. You know, it seems like our um, like our motivations are not in the right place, right? What are we gonna end up doing? We're gonna give ourselves really big dits, really big dicks, really big fucking like muscles and stuff, like just ridiculous vein stuff. <laughs> oh man, it's we're gonna be looking crazy. I wonder if people who are not uh, modified are gonna be considered more attractive. Okay, who am I, who am I kidding? Because no, they're not. <laughs> People that get, you know, people get hair transplants, people go on steroids so that they can, uh, you know, get bigger bodies and look better. People, they get face surgeries, like almost everyone is, is getting like facelifts and stuff after 40. Like, it, it seems like that's normal, right? Like, if you're the type of person that's making, I don't know how much this stuff costs, we'll say high six figures. If you're the kind of person that makes high six figures, it's just normal that like after 40, you get a facelift and like go on TRT if you're a dude and uh, get a hair transplant. So yeah, never mind. I, I thought that there would be a place for um, non-genetically modified humans in, in the dating sector, but nope, nope. Like if, if you're not already beautiful, fuck, you gotta now compete with genetically modified humans. Oh man, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. But then again, I, I don't know much about this stuff anyway. I'm more of a computer science guy. I'm not a genetic manipulation science guy, but this gives me the creeps. And, and like I said, I, I think that the um the uh, consequences for dating might be devastating because there's already so many young men that and, and I've known people like this in real life, like not even just on the internet who are uh, self-described incels, right? They feel like they're not attractive enough to to get a woman or anything like that. And I think it really is, for a lot of people, like a psychological um, issue, like some kind of brain chemistry issue. Because a lot of these dudes aren't, they're not ugly, right? 
they're not Chads. Don't get me wrong. They're not, you know, six feet tall. They're, they're not super beautiful looking people, but they're at least good looking enough to get a girl, you know, a, a girl that I think would be attractive enough for them to be happy with. But yeah, like I said, there's, there's going to be these, uh, genetically modified chads it's it's going to be the genetically modified chads versus the uh i guess organic chads <laughs> hopefully the organic chads win and uh speaking of you know messing with genes and stuff with ai there's another company called colossal with a ceo ben lamb that wants to use gene manipulation to bring back the dodo. And I think I saw another story where they were claiming that they might also be able to bring back the woolly mammoth. And wouldn't you know it, guys, this company has received funding from the CIA, NQTEL specifically, which is the CIA's venture capital arm. <laughs> like, you can't make this stuff up. It, it, it would be, it wouldn't even be this ridiculous if you were writing it. So <laughs> the CIA is into gene manipulation. The CIA <laughs> wants to bring back the dodo and potentially the woolly mammoth. Are we gonna have glowing woolly mammoths used in Waco-style raids? <laughs> is that what's coming? Why does the CIA want a dodo? Why do they want to bring back animals from the dead? This this is terrifying. It's it's human beings trying to play God in a way that's that's really weird. I mean, I don't even believe in God, but it's it's you know what I mean. It's human beings playing God, and it's not something that monkey people that are more concerned with AI waifus and they're they're mad about AI generated scenery and and it's they're sleeping in their fancy cars, their fancy Teslas as they drive down the road and the the AI doesn't even work. We've seen how bad at least Tesla self-driving AI is. It's like how what if the AI makes a mistake? <laughs> And it brings back the woolly mammoth. And, and now we have, wasn't this the plot of Jurassic Park, more or less? Uh, don't do it on dinosaurs, please. There, there needs to be a regulation where they're not allowed to do it on the T-Rex because that's just insane. And then what if it's able to breed with chickens? Because that's, that's something a lot of people don't know. Chickens are descendants of, um, I don't think T-Rex, but they're descendants of raptors, okay? They're literally raptors. So what if, these like T-Rex and these these super predator um, you know dinosaurs they're able to somehow like breed with regular birds and then you get like I don't know super aggressive chickens or like maybe not chickens maybe they would be more likely to breed with like a um, ostrich or something right so then you get ostriches with like really big gnarly teeth and fangs and and we don't want that <laughs> You don't want to create, there were too many cyberpunk universes are being created at once. We've got Jurassic Park, we've got the, uh, we got the Matrix, of course, and we've also got, you know, of course, 1984, we've got that if, if we get into politics, but we're not going to get into politics on this one. And uh, now we've got Jurassic Park as well. Oh, and, and we've got uh, Perfect Dark. <laughs> We've got the perfect dark universe. We've got all of these cyberpunk universes taking place simultaneously. And that's why the plot does not make any sense, folks. That is it for this episode of the Libre Podcast. Have a great day and see you next time.